Welcome to Radio Tambua, an outreach of ACFA, the Africa Center for Apologetics Research. ACFA equips God's people for the defense of the faith, biblical discernment, and cult evangelism. Let's begin today's message. For a long time we've been talking about this topic of can believers be deceived? Today we tackle part 8 of this series where we look at this question through the eyes of Peter, one of the senior apostles of Jesus Christ. A man who not only was a senior critic and skeptic at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, but a man who once he understood who Jesus was would willingly lay down his life for the sake of Jesus. A man who no doubt understood the faith very well, that when he writes to the believers, he reminds them of the comfort and the benefits they have found in Christ Jesus and how they can look forward to Jesus and put their faith in him no matter what they are going through. When he writes in First Peter chapter 3, verse 16, he calls believers who are scattered all across the world of that time, undergoing suffering and persecution, severe isolation because of their faith in Jesus, and he tells them that there is a secret to standing firm in the midst of challenges and trials, and that is to set Jesus Christ apart as Lord in your lives, and to always be prepared to give reasons for the hope that is in every belief. Peter knew that for any Christian to stand firm in trying times, they must understand who Jesus is, they must honor him as Lord in every way of their lives. He must become the lens, the camera, through which they see the rest of life. And when that happens, no matter what is going on all around them, they are able to stand firm and to say yes to Jesus, even when it will mean laying down their lives, even when it will mean dying. So we meet the same Apostle Peter in his second letter to the believers again. And this time, not only does he just write to affirm them and confirm them in the faith that has become theirs in Christ Jesus, but he also brings to their attention issues, challenges, things that might threaten their faith. If in his first letter he wrote responding to the persecution that threatened the believers' sanity and faith, now he writes about the dangers of false teachings that are likely to move believers from their devotion to Christ into deception. In chapter 2 of his second letter to these believers, we see him writing about the dangers of false teachers. And in this chapter, he is not only going to tell them about the dangers of false teachers, he will tell them about the destructive nature of their teachings. He will make it categorically clear that false teachings are not just a matter of opinion, but they determine a person's destiny. When believed, they are eventually practiced, they result into behavior, and that behavior has severe consequences. And indeed, as we will learn, many have been victim to these false teachings, not only being hurt for the time, but actually experiencing eternal consequences. He will also remind them of the deceptions of these teachers. You see, when we talk about the destructive nature of their teachings, you might say, but why do people follow them if they are destructive? Who would follow a man who announces himself to be an agent of the devil and he knows that this man will indeed take them to hell? 
who would be foolish enough to follow anybody who is trying to take them into hell with them? But you will notice that false teachers don't come out directly claiming to be agents of the devil. In fact, the deceptive, the deceptive tactics they use are so subtle and well-crafted that unless you are very careful, you might even miss them. When the Apostle Paul writes the Colossians in chapter 2, around verse 4 there, he says, I tell you this so that you will not be deceived by the plausible arguments of the false teachers. Paul identifies the arguments as plausible, wise, crafty philosophies, things that look like they have a lot of wisdom, things that today's believers call insightful or deep or revelatory, but actually are divisive and dangerous. They, we, Peter will show us the deceptions of these teachers, why we easily don't discern them and therefore end up being deceived. Peter will not only tell us that they can be destructive and they can be deceiving, but he will also tell us about the depravity of these teachers. You see, many times when we talk about false teachers, we are thinking of people that ignorantly deviate from the scriptures or deny the scriptures or distort them, and we are quick to excuse them, saying, you see, they are not theologians, so you don't expect them to know everything. You see, nobody really knows everything, so it's okay when they miss out some points. Some of us, you will hear us saying, you see, he preached for two hours, and for the one hour and 58 minutes of his talk, he said everything right? So why would we judge him for the two minutes of his talk? But what we don't realize is that usually these teachers are not just ignorantly deceived, but they are actually depraved. There is no telling to what level of sinfulness and wickedness they can go unless they are restrained by the grace of God. Their intentions are evil, their motives are deceptive and divisive, and their goal is to destroy. And Peter will not mince his words when he speaks to us about these false teachers. So do not think that this is me, Rogers, telling you how bad and evil these guys are. I am actually reading God's word, telling you words from the inspired apostle about the danger, the destructive nature, the deceptions, the depravity of these teachers, but even more so about the destiny and doom of these teachers. That Peter will not only leave you thinking about how depraved these teachers are or how deceptive they are or how destructive their teachings are. But Peter will remind you that anyone who involves himself in a teaching error or in a teaching falsely or in distorting God's word, God will not take that person lightly. In other words, Peter will remind us that the destiny of these teachers is dire and indeed is doomed that God will not only call them to account, but he will destroy them for the error they perpetuate, especially in destroying and dividing the body of Christ. These are serious words, and I hope you receive them with the seriousness and the solemnity that they deserve. I hope you take them with the heartbreak that Peter feels as he pens down these words. If the apostle was concerned, so should you be. If the apostle says these teachers are here, you do well to listen because indeed they are. Now let's go to the word of God and hear what the apostle Peter has to say. We will read Second Peter chapter 2 
I will read the first three verses, but I will point out a number of other passages within the same chapter where Peter will talk about the different characteristics and identities of these false teachers. So listen to what he says, Second Peter 2, from verses 1 to 3. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction, and many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. I think a passage like this deserves a moment of silence. That we don't just walk over them and wondering what Peter is blabbering about, but we take a moment to ask ourselves, if an apostle pens down words like this, of serious warning and an urgent call to watchfulness, how much more seriously should today's believers take his words? Notice how he begins. Number one, he begins by reminding us that the danger of falsehood is not new. It has been there for since time immemorial. He begins by taking us way back into the past, pointing at the presence and prevalence of false prophets that characterized the nation of Israel, where against the true prophets of God, these men and women prophesied things in the name of God, yet things which contradicted the word and will of God. And he says, in like manner, the present and the future is not unique. The present and the future are still characterized by false teachers, men and women who claim to be teachers from God, yet who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. So let's look at these teachers and begin to uh, find out who are they really? What do they do? How do they teach the things they teach? And what is the consequences or the destiny of these things? And remember, we are talking about the fact that believers can be deceived. It is important that you remember that Peter is writing to believers, men and women whom he has already affirmed in chapter 1 as having received the gospel, embraced it, and believed it, and even been willing to die for it. Yet these people who are willing to die for the gospel have been infiltrated by a different teaching from false teachers, more like those false prophets who lived in the Old Testament times, and these people carry nothing but death. He identifies their teachings as destructive heresies. So as we look at the destructive nature of these false teachers and their teachings, you want to be looking at some of those characteristics that Peter points out about their destructive nature. Number one, he says they teach destructive heresies. Now that word heresies there is a very interesting word. Because a heresy can mean something like a deviation, something that begins well but then diverts off the planned path and goes in a different direction. So he says that these teachers actually are um, some of the people who were even believers 
Originally, they began well. They believed well. They taught well. Then along the way, for reasons he will point out, he says they have deviated from the original path of truth. And now moving away from what is true, they are teaching what looks like true, what seems like true, but is not true. What is almost right, but is not right. And because of the distortion of God's truth, the end result of their heresies is that they are destructive. One of the things he points out to highlight the, the extent of the, the destructiveness of their heresies is he points out that they even deny the master who bought them, deny Jesus. And by saying who bought them, we make the assumption that he's talking about men who are once believers, people who confess Jesus as their personal Savior and Lord. Many times when we think about false teachers, we think about non-Christians. But we forget that the most dangerous false teachers are actually the ones who are already in our churches. Men and women who once believed the truth and would have died for it, but now have turned around to distort it and deny it to the detriment of those who follow them. He says these men deny even the Lord Jesus. Now these men may not have come out outright and said we hate Jesus or we deny that he is God, but in most subtle and sinister ways, they may have been exaggerating the identity and work of Jesus, or maybe downplaying the qualities and attributes of Jesus, like we know in our day today where we have churches that are teaching that Jesus was not God, but really Michael the archangel. We have those who are claiming that Jesus' death on the cross was really not enough, so you need to add the teachings and regulations of the church in order for you to be saved. We have those who have come and have taught that Jesus was once a mere man, but later he progressed until he became God. So when you follow him diligently, one day you will also be God. Some have gone as far as saying that Jesus, before he left heaven to come down on earth, he was the spirit elder brother of Lucifer, and you know who Lucifer is? So we have so many false teachers who might not necessarily deny Jesus outright, but who in a subtle way will distort who he is and ending up with a different Jesus. And sadly, Peter says that many will follow these teachers. Oh my goodness. I wish it were not so. I wish that these teachers would be teaching their things and believers would turn a deaf ear and walk away from them. But unfortunately, that's not the case. In verses 2, he says that, And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. You can see how destructive their teachings can be. In our time today, we are seeing crowds and crowds following self-appointed prophets and preachers and apostles who claim God is giving them the revelation for our age, who claim they are visiting heaven and they know God's will more than any other person, and in the name of prophecies, visions, and revelations have led so many astray to the extent that even now non-believers blaspheme the Christian faith. They look at what we have become and they say, if this is what Christianity is, I would rather not be a Christian. We who should have been an invitation to non-believers to receive Jesus have now become an obstacle in their search for salvation. 
They look at the way we dress, the way we speak, the way we relate, the things we claim even when we do not qualify for them, the lies we believe, the false prophecies that do not come to pass, and they say Christianity is a sham. Because of the false teachings of these teachers and the masses of people that follow their sanctuary spirituality, the world has lost faith in the only hope, which is the Christian faith. How sad. What is challenge? Oh, how I pray that we would not only understand this with the pain, but that we would make a commitment never to join these false teachers, never to be part of the crowds that continue to follow them. But Peter also mentioned something, that these teachers don't only come with deceptive teachings, but they, they, they come with deceptive tactics. Notice how he, mentioned, he describes them in verse 1. He says that there will be teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. And the key word there is the word secretly. Why is it important that Peter says they come secretly? Why don't they come publicly, announce who they are, their intention, their motives for everybody to see and to know and make their choices? But you see, if they come and say they're agents of the devil, no one would want to follow them. But they will come as servants of righteousness, as apostles of Jesus Christ, as prophets of the Lord Most High. But what they claim to be is not what they really are. Peter says that they come secretly. And what that means is that they are not easy to detect, which means that it is very easy to fall play to their deceptive, deceptive tactics, even as genuine or as innocent as you may be. You may also notice that Peter describes them as men who exploit their followers with false words. In verse 3, he says that in their greed, they will exploit you with, with false words. Some other versions say with false visions. Some other versions will say that they concoct certain messages and stories and claim that these messages are coming from God. We live in a generation that is very hungry for dreams and revelations and prophecies. A generation that has closed their Bibles and is busy crying and saying, God speak to me, God speak to me. But all the while their Bibles are closed. They are looking at the sky, hoping that some thunderous voice is going to come and tell them what they are supposed to do. They are looking for a man of God. They are looking for a prophet of our generation who can tell them God's word and God's will. But all the while have forsaken God's word that he has already given us in the scriptures. And of such people, Peter says that they will be deceived by those false teachers who deceive them with false words. Words that seemingly look like they are biblical but actually are not. Prophecies that look like they are in their way in, 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 for their well-being but actually God has not spoken to them. And when they do not come to pass, eventually believers become disillusioned, desperate, and some of them end up leaving the Christian faith or even committing suicide. We need to understand that these people have not been sent by God. In fact, their motivation is not for the cause of Christ, but for the cause of their own selfish interest. Notice how the Apostle Paul brings out the motivation for their false teaching. Again in verse 3 he says, In their greed they exploit you with false words. It's not out of their devotion for Christ. It's not for the sake of the glory of God, but for the sake of their greed.
Not only do they exploit you with false words, but through those false words, you end up giving them your money, you end up surrendering your land title, you end up giving your car to the so-called man of God. These days you hear people saying, come and make contact with the prophet, and the way you make contact with the prophet is by bringing your salary and at the feet of the prophet, by bringing your belongings to the men of God and the leaders that accompany him or surround him. Peter says, in their greed. The reason they come to you is greed. The reason they ask for your money is not so you can honor God. It is greed. And of course, it is not only their greed, it is also the greed of those who follow them. The people who follow them themselves are giving out these monies and property because in their greed, they hope they will benefit more. They hope they are investing in God and a week later they will get seven times more. So the greed of the followers and the greed of the teachers combine together to form a conducive atmosphere for receiving false words that have not come from God, unfortunately. Peter says that they come in secretly, they come with false words, they are motivated by greed. In verse 17 he says they promise much, but they do not truly promise, deliver what they promise. They are, in, in verse 18 he says they speak with great swearing words of emptiness. They are promising visas, they are promising land titles, they are promising houses and job promotions, they are promising trips abroad. But how many people have actually received these promises? And who says that Christianity is about visas and houses and cars? Have you not read Matthew 6.33? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So these people promise you liberty. Verse 19 says that while they promise liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. While they speak great swearing of words, these words are actually empty. They are false prophecies and revelations. They promise much, but they truly do not deliver what they promise. They teach false words and visions that have not come from God. They come in secretly so that they cannot be detected. Their deceptions are unimaginable. Their deceptions, in fact, are underrated. But these deceptions are a sign of their depravity. They are a sign that they have not really been converted. They are a sign that they do not really care about God and what he stands for. They are a sign of their desire to fulfill their fleshly desires and not to live for the glory of God. Which is why verses 13 and 14 says they take advantage of the unstable. They are not even obedient. They despise those in authority. Verse 10 says they walk according to the flesh in the lust of their uncleanliness. Clearly, these people are not in need for the glory and greatness of God. They are in need for their goodness and greed. They are in need for their own popularity and prosperity, which is why usually their teachings prosper the teacher and not really the followers who support the false teacher. And indeed, no wonder Peter says that their doom is sure. Their destiny is not sleeping. Their condemnation, which is from long ago, has not been idle. And the God who is faithful and can be relied on to execute his justice will indeed show them his wrath. How I pray that on that judgment day you will not be among them. That you will be among those who have stood firm and faithfully for the faith. That you will be those who have defended the truthfulness of the Christian faith, no matter what that will cost you. 
that you will be of those who will be saying, I never got a car to drive, but I found Jesus the hope of glory. I may not have found a visa to go to the U.S., but I found fellowship and life eternal with God my Father. I may not have been rich according to the standards of the world, but now I belong to heaven and I am an heir of the heavenly inheritance. How I pray that you will be one of those who will not fall apart. But for that to happen, you must be on guard, which is why Peter is warning us. You must be willing not only to know the truth of the gospel, but to communicate them truthfully and faithfully. You must be grounded in the word of God as the basis for discerning truth from error, that you may not be led astray. You must be willing to expose the unfruitful deeds of darkness, even when sometimes it will require you pointing out the false teachers and apostles and pastors that can Characterize our day. You must be willing not only to embrace sound teaching as revealed in the scriptures, but even to refute those who contradict it. Which is why one of the followers of Jesus, in fact the half-brothers of Jesus, Jude, says that we believers have been called upon to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints, to do so with earnestness, to do so with diligence, to do so with reverence to God who has called us, and to do so with truthfulness and faithfulness. May the Lord bless you as listen to these words. May the Lord bless you as you look at the warnings of the Apostle Peter, that you may not fall play to the deceptive tactics of these false teachers. But being discerning and being able to defend your faith, you may stand firm as a true demonstration of God's saving power, to the glory of God's name and for the salvation of many that look up to you and watch you. May God bless you. To learn more about the Africa Center for Apologetics Research, visit us at africanapologetics.org.